0: Hi, and welcome to the Journey Church Podcast, streaming live from Queens, New York. We're so excited you joined us today. No matter where in the world you are, we want you to know that you're family. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. Well, hey, Journey family. Thanks so much for tuning in today as we are in week two of our fall spiritual growth series called Parables. Last week, we kicked it off and we talked about the uh, parable of the sower and the seed, and we looked at where are we? in our faith and how do we grow even deeper. And I gotta say, I loved connecting with you guys via Zoom last week. So if you're with us today, after the 10 a.m. and noon service, immediately following, you can join us on a Zoom community group. Your host is gonna send you the link, just click on it. You'll be able to interact with us and our staff. You'll be able to see each other's faces. Some of you probably haven't seen each other since March, so it's good. And we're going to talk and hang out for about 20 to 30 minutes and dive a little bit deeper with the message that we hear each and every week. And also, if you're with us at our Deep Bible Study, man, we had an awesome week on Tuesday and Friday. And so if you want to be a part of it, make sure you sign up. Just got a few more weeks left, a few more spots. It's happening every Tuesday and every Friday. You sign up based upon your availability. But our goal is we want to do all we can as a church to help you go deeper in your faith for 2020. Now, before we begin today, and before we talk about our next parable, last month was a big month for our family, the Cooper family. And the reason why is because our four-year-old son, Landon, finally went to school. Somebody say, praise God, in the chats. In fact, I think Danielle's typing it right now. Praise God, amen, in the chat. Since the day Landon was born four years ago, We have been anticipating the day Landon finally goes to pre-K. And there was this season during the pandemic, we were like, oh no, God, don't do this to us. We need our son to go to pre-K. We've been waiting for four years. We claim your promise, you know, free pre-K for New Yorkers. And, And finally, the school that Landon goes to opened up and allowed Landon to go. So Landon was a little nervous to go to school, Danielle and I we were first in line. We're ready to drop him off, send him to meet his teacher and stuff. But just as with every other family that sent their kids to school, we took the obligatory first day of school picture, right? First day of pre-K. And so Danielle got Landon already, put on his perfect outfit. He had his Paw Patrol backpack, made sure that his hair was all slick. And if you're a mom and dad, you know, what is better than hair gel to get hair in place? the ultimate lick, right? Lick and use your hand and do it yourself. And so we did that, got Landon's hair perfect, and we tried to do the obligatory family pick. And so here it is. We're going to show it to you. Here's the obligatory first day of pre-K picture. Now, you're looking at this picture and you're saying, "Aw, cute. You know, look look at this little kid. Look at how big he's gotten, you know, since the pandemic. Or, you know, look at how cute this family looks. Now, The picture looks perfect, but what you don't see is the 19 other pictures trying to get this right. Landon, sit still. Landon, look up here. Blake, smile. Don't touch Landon. Look at all. I'm blinking at this picture. Uh, Landon, fix your hair. Why are you messing up here? No, no. Put your backpack on the right way. And, And we took, for the perfect picture, it took about somewhere between 19 to 25 different pictures. In fact, just to prove it to you, Here's just a few of them. Here's a few, right, where Blake's not really looking. Uh, Here's one where Landon is just being crazy. He's got the ultimate Landon cheese, but like, it's not a good picture to post, you know? Uh, Then you got some other ones where we're a little agitated because we're trying to get Landon to look and smile and focus and stop goofing off. And then we think about it, and if you're a family, you relate to this, right? To get the perfect picture, it takes about 19 to 25 negative pictures. Now, the problem with our society today is everything is Instagram filter worthy, right? You Got to get the right look up here. Got to get the right picture to make everybody think this image is portrayed. And too many times in search of the perfect picture, we will cover up a lot of lies and hide behind a lot of different things. And I think so many times in life, we do this unintentionally. It's not that we want to portray an image of ourselves that isn't true or that we're lying, but sometimes we just gotta hide the craziness, the, the baggage, sometimes the mess that comes with this thing called life. We wanna stuff it away so that no one can see what's going on in the inside. That's why we put these great pictures of ourselves on Facebook or TikTok or 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 Instagram or Twitter so that we can convince everyone that we're living this perfect life and everything is hashtag awesome, that, that life couldn't be better than what it is right now. But deep down, for some of us, it's not true. Deep down, some of us, we're hurting. Deep down, we're in pain. And maybe our closest friends don't even know it. Maybe even your spouse doesn't know it. Many of us, we're not free because we're held captive to the past. But see, through Christ and in Jesus, we celebrate freedom. Because Jesus didn't just die, but he rose again, and his goal was to set us free. That's why we're meeting together, even online, during a difficult season. Jesus says this in John chapter 8, verse 36. So if the Son sets you free, you are truly free. So the question I want to ask you today is, are you truly free? Are you living a free life right now? Not a life where you're free to do whatever you want or whenever you want, but a life where you're not held back by guilt or shame or regret. A life where you have nothing to hide, where you can be yourself completely because you found your freedom in Christ. Are you truly free as Christ says? You see, most of the time when we think of freedom, we attach it to a set of circumstances or situations. For example, we say financial freedom. If I could just pay off my credit card debt and student loans, I would be free. Or if I get a good job that pays well, I could be free from my parents' house. Or it's my life, I'm free to do whatever I want. I can drink, I can party, I can live the free life. But see, when we pursue freedom as if it were determined by a set of circumstances or situations lining up perfectly, is that really freedom? You see, often the things that we think are freedom are the things that bind us. And the things that we think are restrictive or binding us are actually the things that set us free. We see this true in the story of the prodigal son. One of Jesus' most famous parables, he teaches this in Luke chapter 15. Starts off with this, says, A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. Now hold here for a moment. Jesus' listeners at this point would have gasped audibly because you don't do this. According to Jewish tradition, the inheritance always goes to the oldest son, not the youngest. Also, the inheritance was given at the end of a father's life, not during it. So this youngest son, he's kind of like a punk. I mean, he's basically saying, Dad, I wish you were dead, but since you're not, give me all the money so that I can live the free life. I can do whatever I want. It was bold. But the father agrees to divide his wealth before the son. It was a bold move. Story goes on. It says, So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, his younger son packed all his belongings, moved to a distant land, and there he wasted all of his money in wild living. Now, it's almost like this guy gets all the money and he goes straight to Vegas because what happens there stays there, right? So he gambled his money, had late nights partying, had all the women he wanted, had fame, had fortune. He was living the ideal life. He was free to do whatever he wanted. Being home home held him back, but now he was free. Story goes on, it says, about the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him to the field to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. Now understand, Jewish people didn't eat food from pigs. In fact, they were seen as the dirtiest, most disgusting, most vile animal on earth. And so the fact that his son, who was living the good life, hit rock bottom so bad that he was willing to eat pigs, that's a bad thing. You see, at this point, this should be the end of the story, right? I mean, Jesus should have ended it. Don't wish your father to be dead and squander your inheritance. End of story, period. But this is not the end. It's actually the turning point in the story. Because when we're at the end of our rope, that's where God steps in and offers grace to have a new beginning and to truly experience freedom. The story goes on. It says, when he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have enough food to spare. And here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, father, I've sinned against both heaven and you and am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he, he, what? he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. Now notice here that the dad was waiting for him to come home. Have you ever had a moment when your dad was waiting for you to come home? I remember when I was a kid, and i broke curfew one time and i got home and i quietly unlocked the door and walked in the home and well my dad he was waiting for me <laughs> to come home he he chewed me out i got grounded but see this father is different he's not waiting to chew out his son he's literally running after his son this is no ordinary father story goes on it says but as but his father said to the servants quick bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him, put it on that son, get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf we've been fattening. And we must celebrate with a feast for the son of mine was dead and now he returned to life. He was lost, but now he was found. So the party began. Now this story is so important. This parable is so shifting in our worldview because some of you here, you picture God as this angry father, someone who's ready to punish you and every bad thing in your life is because of him. You walk around with this feeling that God hates you and that he's against you, waiting for you to trip up so he can punish you. But looking at this story, that's not God at all. In fact, God is love and he loves you. God's not mad at you, he's mad about you. He's not distant, but he's close and he empathizes with you. And if you feel that you've run away from God, the good news is God welcomes you home. It's only one step back to God. So we looked at the prodigal's story what about your story? What are you hiding behind, hoping that no one else will find? Where are you trying to show everyone that everything's okay on the outside, but deep down, you know it's not? What is causing you to run away from God? You see, when we stop running from God, God runs toward us. God offers a freedom like no other. Why? Well, it's because of his great love for you and I. And in fact, I want to give you three reasons that prove that God has great love for you and I. In fact, in your notes, you can write these down. But God loves me. The first reason why is in the middle of our mess. God loves me in the middle of our mess. Now, during this COVID season, we've been driving our car a lot. We've been driving around to uh, different places, maybe it's the shore to hang out at the beach or driving around to a, a restaurant or something, just, just for the kids to get out of our 700 square foot apartment. And uh, the kids, they always ride in the back. But the other day, I took our car to a car wash, not not one of the, just those little car washes where you spray the hose and it cleans the car down. But I'm talking about like the ultimate car wash, that where they vacuum inside, scrub everything, every nook, every crevice, and all that stuff. And so the other day, I pull into the car wash, and I unhook the car seats. And when I unhook the car seats from the kids, I found a trash dump underneath both car seats. What our kids had done was they had taken goldfish wrappers, fruit snack wrappers, Capri Sun wrappers, and they had stuffed it in areas where mom and dad wouldn't see it initially until we got beneath the surface. And when we got beneath the surface, man, it was a mess. In fact, I didn't realize this, but our nine-year-old and four-year-old act like college kids because they just stuff food and stuff everywhere. And I think a lot of times that's how we treat life. We come to God and we try to stuff and we try to hide all of our mess, our sin and our mistakes, just like a nasty car seat that it's hidden. On the outside, we think we look good. We think that God will love us because of how we appear before God. But God sees right through it and he sees the mess and he loves us anyway. Now, maybe for you, you say, you know, you get this mess and then you get it back in order, you clean it up, and then you get in a mess again. And maybe for you, you, you get out of debt. And what do you do next? You make a big purchase and you go right back into debt. Maybe for you, your marriage failed. And so you get your act together. Now you're in the middle of a serious relationship. And what happens next? You mess up the relationship. Or you ran away from God and you've tried to get back into church. You're trying to do this online community. But then you give up on God until that next life crisis. But see, God's love for you is not like human love. Human love is conditional. Human love says, I love you because. Get your act together and then I love you. God's love is not like that. God's love is not like, get your act together, then I'll set you free. It's not make sure you go to church every week, then I'll accept you, or make everything right, and then I'll love you. No, God loves and accepts you just as you are, faults and all. 1 John four nine says this: says God showed how much He loved us by sending His one and only Son into the world, so that we might have eternal life through Him. This is real love, not that we have loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. You see, God doesn't just wait for you to get your act together. The parable shows us that. It says that He still loves you even in the middle of the mess. He can take your mess and turn it into a message. God meets us in our mess and offers us hope and freedom. So God loves us in the middle of the mess, but secondly, number two, God loves me and he wants me to come home. Now some of you, you you probably can't imagine how God would accept you. You might be in the pig mess right now and you're thinking, I can't go back. I messed up too much. There's no way that God would accept me. But see, God loves you while you're there and he loves you even while he's waiting for you to come home one of my favorite verses revelation chapter 3 verse 20 Jesus says these words he says look i stand at the door and i knock if you hear my voice and open the door i will come in and share a meal together as friends now notice god doesn't say i'm storming the door down he doesn't force you to come home he simply waits on you no matter how far you've run from god it's only one step back and then thirdly god loves me because he's a perfect father You see, on the day that the son stops running, his father runs to him. And when he meets him, notice he doesn't put any conditions on him. The the father doesn't run and then all of a sudden look at the neighbors that are clattering and talking about what happened. He doesn't run to the son and smell the pig pen and say, well, let's get you a shower first and then we'll talk. He doesn't say, pay up and then you can come home. No, the father doesn't care about any of that. He runs, embraces his son, kisses him, and welcomes him back home. Now, so many of us, we have this idea that we have to get our act together in order to be loved by God or accepted by him. But see, God, our perfect father, embraces us right where we are. And he promises to walk with you, to help you get out of your mess and set you up to live a free life. Romans 8, 39 says it like this. It says, no power in sky above or in earth below, indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed to us in Christ Jesus, our Lord. You know, I shared this story before, but but I love it because of the power of this story. But it's a story that's told about a father and a son who had a falling out with each other. Words were said, wounds happened to each other, and the son left and he disappeared. He cut the father out of his life. And the father was desperate to find him. And he searched all over from looking for him everywhere, and he couldn't find him. So completely desperate to find his son, he decides to put an ad in the paper that just said these words. Dear Paco, please meet me this Saturday in front of the newspaper office at 12 noon. All is forgiven, I love you, your father. So the father shows up that Saturday, just a few minutes before noon, nervous. Would Paco show up? Would he finally be reunited with his son? And on that day, 700 people named Paco showed up looking for the love of their father. I love that story because it represents all of us. I mean, deep down, that's what we all want, right? We all want to be loved. We all want to know that we matter. Deep down, all of us want the love of the Heavenly Father. And I want you to know that you have his love. In fact, that's what the message of the cross proves. That God's love for us was so great that even while we're running from God, God ran to us and he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to live on this earth like you and I. But he was wrongly tried as a criminal, put to death on the cross, but three days later, Jesus rose again from the dead, proving not only to be the son of God, but also to show us freedom that's found in him. And so if you're here today and you find yourself in that trap like the prodigal son of trying to portray a life that pursues freedom, that we show the outside world, I, I'm good, I have everything I want, I feel free. But inwardly, we know we're not free. You don't have to run anymore. You don't have to hide behind the mess and portray an image that you're not. Because God loves you even in the middle of the mess. God loves you and he wants you to come home. And God loves you because he's our perfect heavenly father. The parable of the prodigal son tells us that no matter how far we've run away from God, it's only one step back to him. Let's take a moment and let's pray. God, we thank you for the reminder that we see in the parable of the prodigal son. That yes, we are human. Yes, sometimes we mess up and we make mistakes and, and we deserve punishment for those mistakes. In fact, Scripture says that the wages of our sin is death. But the Scripture doesn't end there. It says that the gift of God, the free gift of God, is eternal life, and it comes through Jesus Christ our Lord. And so we recognize that this gift doesn't come to us through anything that we can do or through anything that we deserve, but it came through Jesus Christ and the death, burial, and resurrection that He provided to us. So God, we take a moment. And we lay aside the shame. We're no longer gonna hide behind our sin. We're no longer gonna run away from you. And we're gonna choose today to focus our path and set our sights to you. God, we're gonna run in the right direction by admitting our mistakes, believing in the payment of Jesus on the cross, and by confessing that you are Lord and leader of our life from this day forward. God, help us to experience your love. Help us to experience that forgiveness that only you can offer. Help us to experience that freedom that we so desperately need today. And God, we ask all these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen.